Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm actually going to read the chapter, beginning from verse 1. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory transitory, temporary though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with this surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Now the, the Spirit, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Hallelujah. Powerful teaching, a powerful word from the law, from rules, from the written letter to the letter of the heart, to the relationship with God through rules, to the relationship with God of the heart, to the work of the Old Testament, to the work of Jesus when he came in the New Testament. Testament being covenant, contract, um, plan, God's way of reaching us, the old way to the new way. Paul's saying to these people, do we need to get a letter? from you to, to commend who we are or what we've done? Do we need something in writing to say who we are, a, re a letter of recommendation? For a long time, you would, if you went to visit another church, a minister would need to bring a, a letter of recommendation from another church. I mean, people didn't know each other so well. He'd turn up in a town and he'd want to carry a letter to say that he's someone you could trust and have in your pulpit. Paul's saying, is this is what maybe has started? Yeah, Paul's saying, well, I need to get a letter. To, written in ink to say that, that God has used us. He says, no, the letter is what God has done in your life. In fact, he actually says the letter is written on our hearts. Isn't it interesting? The letter is written on our hearts. The minister, what, what God has done, it's come from our heart. And the change in your life is written on our hearts, and now it's written on your hearts. It's a work of the heart. 
It's not a work of law and it's not a work of the mind. It's a work of the heart. And God says it's written without ink. And it's not on tablets of stone, but it's on the heart that it is written. Verse 3 says, You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It's the Spirit of God that does this work in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who does this work in our hearts. And so it's not going to come just from mental learning. It's not just going to come from even just knowing the Scripture itself. It's going to come from the work of the Spirit in our heart. And both are so important, knowing the word and having the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart. But, you know, I've met many people that know this word. I've met people that can quote it better than me, chapter and verse, but they haven't had the heart experience. People that have grown up in a house where this word was honoured, but they haven't had the heart experience. Some of us have spouses, parents, children that we would love to, to see in the Lord's house, love to see in a relationship with God. It's a heart issue. In fact, they see everything that's been presented to them almost as legal. They probably think, some of your kids might think you're at church today because you think you have to be. And they don't want to have to be. Or you don't do things because you think you're not allowed to. They see it all as law. It's actually a work of the evil one for people to see it as law. He wants to point at our lives and say, they don't do those things because they're not allowed to. I'm sure that's what our neighbours think of us. We don't join the barbecues with the flowing grog and we don't want to be part of some of that stuff. They think, oh, because they're not allowed to. Because they're Christians or because they're pastors or they're, they're strange people. But it's actually because we choose not to. It's because we love the Lord. It's because of what's happened in our hearts. It's a heart message that's called anything that we're doing or not doing, it's a heart message. And I say again, it's a big point of this ministry. We don't tell people to stop or start anything. We want it to come from their hearts. Now, if you want to come to me and ask my opinion on what you're putting in your body, I'll, I'll, if you're asking my opinion, I'll share it. But I know none of that's going to change unless it, it's in your heart. And sometimes people ask opinion and then say, the pastor said, I'm not allowed to. You ask my opinion. No one's telling you you're not allowed to do or anything. There's no laws because we know the law will not bring the spirit. And this is so clear. In fact, the law will put a veil over your mind and over your heart. Pretty serious, yeah? We have some Christian denominations that really hold strongly even to the laws of Moses. Somebody needs to read this to them. Because he says here at the reading of the law, a veil. If you look to the law to find God now, a veil actually goes over your mind and over your heart. That's actually quite scary. So those that are looking to rules, and you know, sometimes the rules aren't the Old Testament. They've turned the New Testament into that rule. When Paul wrote this, there was no New Testament. I think he gladly would have added, if you take these letters of mine, and, and look to them to put rules on your people, it'll put a veil over their hearts and their minds. Because it will not be found, and, and the Holy Spirit cannot come through changes in behaviour. He does not come into our life because we changed our behaviour. He doesn't come because we're living a better life. He comes because the blood of Jesus has cleansed us and made a way for him to come and enter our life. Amen? That's how he comes. It's a relationship it's all about relationship. And that's what it's saying here. It's not about the letter or the law. It's all about relationship. Verse 7, strong words. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved on letters of stone, came with some glory. He's saying that even that had some glory. The, the way the law worked was to find out what is wrong and kill it. The law worked through death. The law worked through judgment, finding what was wrong and trying to kill what was wrong. 
and, tr- and sacrificing animals for sin. It was, a, it was a lot about death. There was a lot of death involved. If you're an animal lover, you'd be really upset because there was a lot of death involved. A lot of shedding of blood of innocent animals, one might say, to deal with sin, to try to create an environment where they could have a relationship with God, to try to prepare one man to go into God's holy presence on behalf of a couple of a million people. The effort was huge for one man to enter that presence and if they got it wrong, he would drop dead, that high priest, if they didn't get it all right. Because they were never going to make God dirty, they were trying to make themselves holy for God. And they were given all this to, and and God really wanted it to be clear, his holiness is not something that's easily dirtied or or that he can compromise. And he hasn't done it to put his Holy Spirit inside of us. This is not about a compromise from God. This is about the power of the blood of Jesus to make us a holy place that God can come and live inside. And it's only done by him. It's only done by the Lord. It's not done by keeping any rules or laws. In fact, he calls that a ministry that brought death. A ministry that brought death. Verse 9, he says, If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? The law worked through condemning. The law worked through finding what was wrong, judging it and trying to deal with it. On a daily, monthly, annual basis, different sins, different issues. It was exhausting trying to make yourself live right, to be right with God. Because of the problem of sin. Jesus came as the lamb that took away the sin of the whole world. And I remind you, that's what was said of him. He took away the sin of the whole world. He's taken away the sin of everybody already. Nobody sits in this room this morning. You don't have any family member who, has, who needs to deal with their sin. It's already been dealt with. Jesus dealt with the sin of everybody. They just need to open their heart to that truth. That truth just needs to come into their heart. They just need to open their heart to a relationship with the one who's already dealt with their sin. And it's not by a relationship with rules or laws. It's not by a relationship with doing everything right. In fact, it says quite clearly, the letter, the law kills. (laughs) Laws kill. We all need to look at this sometimes because if we think that I'm going to put some pressure on somebody to behave right, we've just got to remember law kills, law interferes, law gets in the way. The more rules, the more sin. And I often say to young parents, you, you've got to set guidelines for your children, just have the least as possible because the more rules you have, the more offences you will have, the more sin you will have. It's quite clear, read, read, read Romans 6, 7, 8, you really get it clear in 7, law brings about sin. If there's no rule, there's no sin. The more rules you have on your partner, your spouse, your family, the more expectations you put on everyone in your life, the more opportunity for them to offend you and sin against you and your expectations. There were so many rules of the, of the reading of the law of Moses, so many rules in there. And many of them were for what was best for us and to try to to get God and our flesh to line up with each other, but it wasn't possible. And so we're told clearly in Romans 8, 1, there's no judgment, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And that's what he's talking about here, who have this relationship with the Holy Spirit, who are looking and tuned into the spirit rather than looking for righteousness in the flesh. Because when you go after righteousness in the flesh, you come back to law again. 
And brothers and sisters, there's a freedom that then, then should come into our life. There's a freedom from this, I'm not meeting expectations. And you know what, maybe you can even feel that different times in our life, we feel like we're not meeting everybody's expectations or I'm not meeting my own expectations. Be careful, we put them on ourselves. I'm not where I thought I would be. This isn't what I thought it should be. Something in the, in the human, it can be ministry, it can be business, it can be family. It can be even maybe how your own life has gone. Maybe you've had a breakup in a marriage and that was so far from what you ever wanted and, and the disappointment or the sense of failure or not meeting expectations or letting other people down. The devil wants to, move, to work on that to make the, us feel judged and to not experience the freedom that God wants to give us in our heart. Because no matter what's gone on in our humanity, the Holy Spirit wants us to walk in that freedom. The freedom of the relationship, the freedom of having the Holy Spirit living and moving in our heart. And so he says in verse 12, we have a hope, so we are very bold. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we're very bold. And that's why he says, we're not like Moses who put a veil over his face. So the children of Israel couldn't even look at the, truly look at the glory of the law. When the law was delivered, Moses came down with it. They couldn't look at him. And this was a ministry of death. This was a ministry of judgment. But it was a word from, it was, an, it was from God. It was God's effort to show them, this is all the things you've got to do if we're going to have a relationship together. And Moses had this glory on his face that they could not look at. But he's saying, we don't have that now. We have the freedom to, to, to walk in the spirit and actually live in that glory, in that presence. We're talking about the presence of God. Hallelujah. Their minds were made dull for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ only in Christ. Beware of taking these teachings of Jesus, these teachings on Christ, Paul's explanations, Peter's explanations, and turning them into some sort of law. Because it will steal. It will rob. And look, that's what the devil does. Children, little, our little kids sitting in, our, in freedom kids, they hear something and they think, that's what I have to do to be right with God. Or that's what I have to do to please God. No. Jesus makes them right with God. It's very hard to explain to an unborn again yet little child. The disappointment, the discipline of their parents, the discipline of school, this sense that I don't measure up to the world. And it can be a sense that I don't measure up to the expectations of church or you have to do church. You have to go. It's a real balance for us parents because we want them to respect and we bring them. But then that's what, well, it's something that we all have to do. We do need to communicate them that it's something that we want to do. And I want you to be a part of what I want to do. And, I'm, and, and while you're in this house, you're going to be a part of what I want to do. But there a day will come when you'll be able to do what you choose. That's the reality. Because we want it to come from their heart. And I'd say if you've got a loved one, if you've got a young person in your family, if you've got a parent, you've got a spouse, this issue, it's a heart issue. And I tell you, they're still looking at what you present as some sort of law on them. Expectation on them. And that's the work of the evil. And we've got to pray for that breakthrough. We've got to pray for the breakthrough in their heart to see the relationship. You know you're, you're having that relationship and yet they don't see it as that. They see it as some expectation you're trying to put on them. And that's the work of the evil one. And that's what we need to overcome. It's what we need to overcome in our presentation of the gospel. That's what our pastor, Neil, and, and many of the team are constantly trying to present to us. Just show love. Show, give someone an encounter with the love of God rather than with your expectations or our expectations or the expectations on them for their life to change. Let them just have an encounter with the love of God. Don't you love Jesus' encounter with the prostitute? He, he just showed her love and forgiveness. He just showed her love and forgiveness. 
He said, I don't condemn you, I don't judge you. Yet she, she fitted so many judgments, even judgment of society of the way she was living and the person she was. Most societies, most societies would put a negative judgment on her, but Jesus said, I don't condemn you. And that's his message. I don't, I'm, I'm not here to deal with you anymore to deal with your bad behaviour. I'm here to bring you a relationship with God. I'm here to put the spirit in your, in your heart that the freedom will come from here out. The freedom will come from here out. And the freedom to get out of your life, the things that aren't good for you, will come from here out. Not some list of things you need to change. But I would suggest you, we have young people that don't want to be here because they think if I go, there's a list of things I have to change. And sometimes they've got that convinced because they've seen the change in someone else's life and they think, well, if I go, I'll have to change like that too. It's the work of the evil one. To rob that joy, to rob that freedom. To rob that freedom. And, and this is a man that's writing this that lived in that law and lived in that freedom so strongly. Sorry, previously before living in the freedom, he lived in that law so strongly. He judged everything by that law. He valued himself by that law. He had an amazing revelation of this reality, of this truth, yes? Verse 9 says, the law was a ministry of condemnation, where Jesus is a ministry of righteousness. You know what that means? righteousness simply means a ministry of making you right with God. Jesus makes you right with God. And I just want to remind you of that again this morning, friend. Jesus makes you right with God. And I don't know whether even this week you've had voices that you feel like you're just out of step, you're not doing, you're failing in some area. You're just not feeling right in yourself because this or that is out of place. That's the work of the evil one. Your righteousness is based on the blood of Jesus. And, and, and God's love for you, God's desire for you, God's desire for a relationship with you not the ministry that condemns. Isn't that pretty strong, huh? The law of Moses was a ministry that brought condemnation. Christ has come with a ministry of righteousness. And that glory doesn't compare, it says. That whole glory does not compare. And so we get to verse 17, or verse 18 says, whenever, or 15 says, even to this day, sorry, verse 15 says, even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Again, I say, when laws are put up, it puts a veil on the heart of the person. And if I speak to them in a way that says, you're not good enough for Jesus, this behaviour is not okay for Jesus, I try to avoid that with my children. They were my rules, not God's rules. I tried not to say, God isn't pleased with this. My new Christian wife would say, Sonia, we don't ever want to say, God is not pleased with this. Say, we're not pleased with this. Now, I know many things they attributed to God and to the church. I know the work of the evil one was to make them, to put all these requirements on them and a dislike for the rules or the expectations, or even a dislike for the parents' choices that now, I have to live like that too. It's really hard to avoid that reaction. But we just got to recognise what we're battling with here. We're battling with the fact that they need a heart experience. They need to experience this freedom in their heart for themselves and know this in their heart for themselves. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts, verse 16. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Truly turning to Jesus, it lifts that veil away. We actually live in a world full of people with a veil. Our city is full of people that have a veil. We, we, have, we have the living God amongst us. We have the Holy Spirit in people. We go to talk to them. There's a veil on their heart. There's a veil on their mind. Because they, they, they're already hearing voices telling them what they have to change, what they have to stop, judging us, judging our standards, judging our choices, judging what we won't do, judging that we won't join them in the things that they want to practice or the things that they're doing. 
the things in their life that aren't really good for them because we don't join them, they judge us and they think we're judging them. How many times people have just said to me, oh, you know, I feel you wouldn't approve. I think, mate, I didn't even get a chance to disapprove. I didn't even get a chance. You just decided I wouldn't approve because, oh, you're a Christian, you wouldn't approve. I couldn't share that with you. You couldn't know that. You wouldn't approve of me. And even teenagers in houses not, not wanting to be open because I think, oh, mum and dad wouldn't approve. Mum and dad would tell me off. This isn't something that a Christian should do. Already the laws and those rules at work and, and stealing, stealing. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so he wants to come in our heart and bring us this true and real freedom. And that's what I ask you this morning. Are you experiencing that freedom in your heart? Or is in your heart there's voices, and I'm talking even to you, Christian, is there voices sort of saying, I'm not good enough because of this and this and that. I haven't measured up in this way. Things in my family, my parenting, my, my work, my financial success. They, even even we've, we've put these expectations, a successful Christian or a, a blessed Christian, or it can even be over the healing hasn't come yet. The prosperity hasn't come that I was expecting. This happened. I've got, I've got children that aren't walking as you know, other people's children. Just so many voices that want to condemn us to say you've not met some standard. And in not meeting that standard, it really does put a veil over our heart. It starts to rob from us the freedom that the Holy Spirit actually wants to bring into our life. And he wants to make changes in our life, but he wants to make it from a place of freedom. He wants to make it a place of relationship with him, of knowing him. I shared last week in New Zealand, my, my message on fathers was, was that our Heavenly Father gives us of his very own spirit. And it's something that no father can do for his children. I can't give my children my spirit. Sometimes you just wish they would see and value as you do, particularly when you're dealing with little kids. You just think, I want you to feel what I feel about this. I want you to have my dislike for this. I want you to have my like for this. I want you, I, I kind of wish I could put myself inside it. I want you to think like me. I want you to feel like me. I want you to value like me. But you know, you can't do that. We dads, we can't do that. There, but there is a dad who can. There is a dad who sacrificed his son so that he could put his own spirit. That's the perfect dad with the perfect spirit. And he, he's the one who can put his spirit in our children through their hearts because you can't do it. I know you might have plans. Some of you with little kids, you think you've got a little machine in front of you. Good luck. You think you're going to program that kid? See how you go. They're all very different. And you might have a great program. You might have four kids and two of them follow the program perfectly. The other two you think, I don't know, what did we do? What did we do? Uh, then you blame the uncle, the auntie, your dad, your cousin. Somebody had a spirit now into their kid. You, know, you just want to blame someone else. We can't program these children. We can't put ourselves inside of them, but we can see the Holy Spirit put himself inside of them. The spirit of the father actually comes and enters them. And there is true freedom. And that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not desiring you to have the spirit of the father so he can control you, but actually so he can bring freedom to you. Because he will show you what is best for you. And, and I love Hebrews 8. He will write on your hearts and your minds. God declared very clearly, no longer will we follow this written law of Moses. He said, because you, you, you couldn't do it. So now he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to write my, my laws on your hearts and on your minds. If you want to know how to live, you need to go to your heart and your mind. You know, this freedom that it speaks of, to truly be free to follow your heart, that can sound pretty scary. If everybody's following their heart, well, what's in their heart? But of course, if the Holy Spirit's in their heart, you can be very confident 
that that, that that person can follow their heart. That your young person can follow their heart, that you can follow your heart. If your heart is full of the Holy Spirit, he will guide where we follow. And because we don't trust each other's hearts, then we put rules and expectations. And we put laws. And we live in a broken world and we need to live by rules and laws. Today there's a rule right now, I'm talking, you're not. And if you stand up and start interrupting me, well, I don't know if there's some henchmen around here, some security might carry you out. I don't know what'll happen. But... I'm talking, you're not, yeah? You're sitting down, I'm talking. There's, a, there's some rules for how this operates, yes? The guys, when we had worship, you don't get up to just pick up the guitar and start singing and, and reckon the song. There's just how for a community we operate. There's, there's rules, there's expectations that we know. But none of those rules make us right with God. And, and the Holy Spirit wants to come in our heart and he wants to bring us freedom. And he wants to write on our heart what's best for us and write on our mind what's best for us. And speak to us from there. And the change comes from there. And that we really, truly live in freedom. But there's a constant voice from outside. There's a constant pressure from outside. And there's a devil who wants to condemn. Who wants to steal. He's called the accuser of the brethren. And he was thrown out of heaven. But he was thrown down to earth. And he's down here to accuse us. And he wants to bring circumstances to accuse us. That we're not measuring up. He wants to put some rules or standards. And he'd like us to accuse each other. He particularly would like us to accuse each other that we're not measuring up and make each other feel like we're not measuring up. And when we don't feel like we're measuring up, we feel condemned. It puts a veil over our heart to not truly experience the freedom with the Lord that he wants us to, to, to experience. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The last verse, 18, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and he does come and live in our heart, he begins to change us. Some scriptures say from glory to glory. Other interpret that from perfect to perfect. From his presence to more of his presence, to like him to more like him. That's where the transfer takes place. And that's a good question for some of us that have walked for him for a long time. Am I still being changed more into him? Have some of the things that bound me that I was concerned about when I was a, a younger Christian, am I being freed from some of the things that I measure myself by? That's what should be happening. Not more, not less, but more. More freedom. More like him. More like him. More free. More able to accept others. Those of us that walk with him longer, should, we should be just this vessel for just love and acceptance. Yeah, some new Christians are still trying to work out what a Christian does and maybe judging themselves and judging others. But those of us that are walking for a long time, we should be, people should gravitate to our acceptance, to our love, to our encouragement, to this flow that just comes out of us that Jesus has done it and you're okay. And it's going to be okay and you are fine and you are holy and you are right with him. It should just flow from us because more and more we should be changing like him. But sometimes that's been hindered by this sense of we're not enough. And we haven't succeeded here or there or we're, we're measuring ourselves against substandard or someone is better or more anointed or, or whatever it is. It puts a veil, a veil over this sense of completeness and wholeness and that I am full of my Father's Spirit and I can do or be whatever he needs me to be and all the gifts are available to me and I can move in anything I need to move in. I'm actually free to be whatever I need to be for him today. I'm actually free of any sense, well, I'm not the one or I'm not good enough or anything like that. And those of us that have walked long, it says the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming living in you 20 years ago was that from glory to glory, you would change more like him and you would become more like him, more into his image. 
So that would be my challenge to you today. Is that what's happening? Or in reality, maybe you even need to go away from this message and sit before the Lord and say, Lord, is, is there some written thing? Is there some expectation that I've allowed to veil me, hinder me, hold me back? Am I waiting for something to happen in my life, for some change to take place, to meet some requirement for me to think, now I've made it? Because as far as your father's concerned, he's made you. You've made it because he's made you. You're right because he's made you right. You're holy and acceptable to him. Everything's available to you because of him, because of the work of Jesus. And so that's why he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If we say we have the Holy Spirit, then we should be living with a freedom in our life. And it's free to not even have to look like somebody. It doesn't have to actually look like everybody else. We're not going to hand out, here's what a free Christian looks like, point one to ten, and you need to have all these things happening in your life for you to know that you're free because we're back to rules again. And we live in a day and age where we're so often looking at someone else's freedom and then saying, oh, well, I don't have that. We're, trying to, we're measuring ourselves. We live in this really strong society of measuring up against one another and, and things are constantly thrown at us. And, and, and sometimes we don't celebrate that other person's freedom or what God is doing. We tend to say, oh, well, I'm not. Or I could do that or I should do that or I'm not being... It's just, it's just these constant comparisons. That's all, that's all law and, and legal because the law of Moses was full of these comparisons, comparing your behaviour to what God asked for and, and failing to measure it up. Failing to measure it up. Be careful because it puts a veil over your heart and over your mind to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. So I challenge you this morning, is, are, you, are you living in that freedom? Are you living in that freedom? Are you walking in that freedom? That's the freedom the Holy Spirit wants you to have. Or are you feeling you know, a little disappointed with yourself or with what things are or think others look at you and you've got to, we've got to shake that off. We've got to say, Holy Spirit, start that afresh in me. It's kind of like the first love, the first joy, that first sense of, wow, this is just amazing. It's new and it's great and, every, and, the, and the horizon looks great. And then sometimes things have come and we feel like, oh, it's all been pressed in. Stuff has happened. Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. We need to walk in that freedom. And for anyone here this morning, if you have never asked Jesus in your heart, that's where it begins. I want to tell you this morning, this church is not about you. Come and learn how to live like a Christian. Come and learn how to be, live in a way that will make you right with God. Come and learn the stuff you need to know so you can be right with God. No, come and open your heart to Jesus. Because he's already died for your sin. He's already given his life for you. He's made a way for you. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Just give your heart to the Lord. Just make a decision. I'm going to follow the Lord. I give my life to him. That's all we do. We just surrender. And now he begins to move. You might not even understand it all. Think, I don't even know how to fully explain this. That's, that's what's so wonderful about children's ministry. If you say it's just about inviting Jesus in your heart, the children come. And they can't even explain it fully. Except to say, I asked Jesus in my heart today. So I think he's living in here somewhere. They start to think he's in there, but he's somewhere in there. They think he's physically come and now he's walking around in here. I remember one kid asking me, so how, what's he doing with all the blood? Is he very red? Is he messed up? But they responded and asked him in their heart. Do they have to get it? Do they have to fully get grasp it? No, you don't have to fully know it all. You just, just invite him into your heart this morning.